Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music, and I love those that create it. Strikers here. Tuna on toast. Yes. Tuna on toast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. Where you been, Striker? All right, for a variety of reasons, I slowed down the podcast, but here we are, and I got inspired over the last few weeks, and I don't even know who to give the credit to, and they weren't talking about podcasts, but it was someone like, just put content up, just get back into it, it doesn't matter who, what, when, where, why, just get right back. And so here I am, back at it, for those of you that don't know, I do a full-time uh, radio show, yep, on the radio, Monday through Friday with my friend Booker, Booker and Stryker, on a station called Alt 98.7 in L.A., and I do another broadcast radio show that airs on the weekends on, like, 45 stations. That show is called Out of Order plus Tune on Toast Podcast. With all this broadcasting, you'd think I'd be a lot better at this job after all these years and so many hours speaking to a microphone. Don't forget, YouTube, Tune on Toast with Striker on YouTube. You can watch all the episodes over the last year, and we've had so, so many great guests. Um, spread the word, please. Let everybody know about Tune on Toast. Thank you for the support. Ted Striker, all over social media. Let's get to our guest. I love this band, White Reaper. They're out of Louisville. Their debut album came out in 2015. Their second album in 2017, the world's best American band, I love that title. In 2019 is when they really started to get on a lot of people's radar, and that was an album called You Deserve Love. Uh, a number one song on there was Might Be Right. There was another one called Real Long Time. I know Pearl Jam really likes the band White Reaper, and just before the pandemic, they were all set to tour with Pearl Jam. Then the pandemic hits, and that doesn't happen. But have they done some shows recently with PJ? Yes, they have. We discuss uh, conversations with Eddie Vedder, Tony, who's the front man. He is my guest today. The new album, depending on when you're listening to this, comes out this Friday, uh, which would be January 27th, Asking for a Ride. That's the, name, that's the name of the new White Reaper. If they are brand new to you, please know this. Your friend Stryker loves these guys. They are talented they deserve even more credit than they already get. Uh, I think I mentioned they're out of Louisville. So without any hesitation, let's get to it. Please welcome, this is via Zoom on this one. Now, I'm in the Tune on Toast studio. Tony is in his, uh, it's like a living room, and he has wood paneling and pennants on the wall. Tony Esposito from White Reaper. Here we go. Hello, check. Test one, two for me. One, two, three, four. Oh, man, that looks so freaking good. I can't believe I'm such a audio genius. Recording in progress. Got it. <laughs> there he is. Great to see you, man. How's it going, man? It's been a while. The feelings I have right now seeing you are bringing me back to a place of peak happiness just before the pandemic. And then my peak happiness went the opposite way. So when was that? Just like in February of 2020? It yeah. was. Yeah, moments before 
the world ended. We were inside of a little sound studio and you played a couple songs and we did this interview and I was asking you questions about music and like for me and my career and watching you guys, I was so happy that day. And you guys at that time were about to hit the road with Pearl Jam maybe? Yeah, we were going to do Europe with Pearl Jam that summer. Um, Obviously that can got kicked down the road quite a bit, um, but we were lucky enough to finally make that up this past summer. You did go on the road with them. Finally, yeah. Before I even ask about that experience, did you feel like that opportunity was probably not going to come back, or did you feel pretty confident that it was? I honestly, I had no idea. I really had no idea, but I didn't dwell on it, you know? I never thought that, like, we got super screwed by COVID because everybody did. I was just, I wasn't really worried about it, and, you know, it all worked out in the end. Uh, Hearing you say that, it's not that I'm surprised to hear you say that, but... You're one of like three or four bands in my mind that I felt like, God dang it. These guys are right here and they're about to go like 12 notches higher in the next 12 months because they have set up their career perfectly. And you're really telling me that you were okay, you personally, mentally, throughout the whole situation? There wasn't really anything to do about it, you know? And I could sit there and be upset or I could just wait it out. So I chose the second option. Good, which is good. Um, First, I just want to ask you quickly here about the room you are in, because I feel like I have been transported to my parents' house in 1981. Where the heck are you? I'm in my living room. That's my couch. There's a TV over here. Who did the wood paneling? uh, It was just, it was already here. (laughs) I I (laughs) love it. I love this room. It's awesome. I really do. It feels great in here. Just the, the energy in here. It's so chill. And you have a couple of, um, what are those called? Like banners, the triangular, like felt. Yeah. What what teams are those? That is the Louisville Cardinals, the pennants. Uh, how are the Louisville Cardinals basketball team doing so far this year? Very, very poorly. <laughs> very, very <laughs> sorry. poorly. I'm sorry, man. It's okay. Did you grow up in Louisville? Yeah, I moved here when I was like seven, I think. Or like right when we moved here, I had a birthday party and it was kind of weird that, you know, asked all the kids from my class and they like, they didn't know me. I was a new kid. So I, I remember that. I, I think I was either seven or eight. And uh, yeah, that was one of my first experiences, my, my birthday party with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> what was the reason that your family moved to Louisville? Um, I think like my dad's job, he got, he got a job out here and, and here we are. And here, here we've been ever since. Hmm. What was the community like for you between, I'm just going to go eight to 16 years old range. I know that's a lot of years and we all grow a lot, but was it music outside of Louisville that influenced you? Was it sports there, music there? Like what, what was going on in, in your head, in your world that led you to the profession you're doing? Well, I was always super interested in music as soon as I was born, they say. Um, I was taking guitar lessons before we moved here. Then we moved here, and I, I wanted to be a drummer. And my mom was like, well, you have to play piano for one year before you can play drums. And I was like, okay. And it turned out that it was more than one year of piano. <laughs> they were like, well, how about how about another year of piano before drums? They just kept putting it off. And finally, uh, Christmas one year, I got a drum set, and I was so excited. And I played drums for the longest time. I played in the church band. And that's actually how I met Ryan, who plays keys in our band. And uh, then I met the twins, Nick and Sam, at school. And Nick was just an incredible drummer, like head and shoulders above me. So I was like, I guess 
I'll I'll play guitar then. <laughs> <laughs> when we were 14, we started a little punk band, and uh, there was this great DIY spot in Louisville at the time called Skull Alley, and that's kind of where we cut our teeth uh, playing our first shows, and we would have our parents drop us off, you know, down the street, you know, and then so nobody would see our parents drop us off. And we did that all throughout high school. And uh, we begged our parents, like, please let us go on tour. Please let us go on tour. You have to graduate high school first. And we were like, okay. But, you know, as soon as, as soon as we were finished with school, we, we were out. We were on the road. So cool that you did it that way. When you say when you were cutting your teeth playing that punk club, does that mean learning how to play your instruments and being comfortable on stage or facing humans watching you who have no idea who you are and anything and it could go sideways and they could throw something at you uh definitely the latter you know because mm. like that that to me was the most intimidating part was just like the stage fright aspect of it like being in front of people you know and uh you know we were the we were the younger group at, at the gigs you know and and so we just really wanted the older kids to think we were cool and it was nerve-wracking you know and but they were super nice and inclusive and they brought us in and we got over the the fear real quick and got pretty comfortable playing shows the first few shows you did were they 100 percent your own songs or did you mix in some stuff from other bands that you guys would cover uh we would definitely do some covers um I'm trying to think of maybe what the first cover we ever did was. We covered a Lagwagon song. Wow. Yeah. Mr. Coffee, I think it was. Yeah, we covered that song. <laughs> um, I mean, we did all kinds of stuff. We, we love to do covers. But we would pick, like, one cover, and then we would do, like, six or seven of our songs, which right. were all, like, short, little, minute-long, like, you know, like that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to drop a name or anything, but, like, I was interviewing Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie, who's from the Northwest, and you and I know the Northwest. That's, like, Chris Cornell and Nirvana, and we can name all the bands, but Ben doesn't sound anything like that sort of stuff, and he was from right there. So how did you guys, and why did you guys become the band you are sonically? What was happening in Louisville? Oh, man, I don't know. I think it was just we wanted to kind of like evolve in some way beyond fast power chords and uh we were we were super into like the who and i've always been super into black sabbath and ozzy so it kind of started at a place there and just kind of naturally came to this like replacement power pop like you know the jam type thing and i mean i really don't know i really don't know how it happened for us i think it was just a combination of what we were able to play and what we wanted to hear i guess is sort of the equation for how we made White Reaper. And I think just hearing your answer right there is why so many people have loved you from day one. You continue to gain new fans because of the authenticity. You're not trying to be one exact thing. You're like, we're making music and this is how the guitar is going to sound here and my voice is going to be here and I wrote these and it's going to come together and now everybody can listen to it. Precisely, yeah. So in roughly 2015, your debut album comes out, and here we are eight years later, and you're about to release Asking for a Ride, which is that going to be your fourth full-length, a fourth official full-length studio album? That's correct, yeah. I, I didn't even think about it being eight years since uh, <laughs> That's wild. I haven't heard this story too much, but the couple years leading up to the release of the debut, what was happening with you guys where in your own mind... Things were 
you felt good about the career you were choosing here with your bandmates. 100%. Um, Polyvinyl, which is a great label, uh, took a chance on us. And that, you know, when we got signed to Polyvinyl, we were like, wow, this is everything. Like, we've done it. And then we were able to go on these, like, tours and, and see the country and even Canada sometimes. And we even got to go to the UK. And uh, we, we even did um, Primavera in Barcelona. Wow. We were like, you know, that was everything to us. You know, that was the whole world to us. And, and the thought of, of moving on from polyvinyl, that wasn't a thought that I had, you know. It, it was, it just kind of naturally happened, I feel like. Um, we were able to find a new home with Electra, who's been great. And, but yeah, exactly like you're saying, like for us, it was like, we were through the roof. Like we were excited. We were entirely satisfied we were so happy oh. just like we're, as long as we can play music um and travel around and play music and as long as we can just not be home because we were young we were all living at our parents house and we were like any show we can play we'll do it so that you know we can be on the road and, and hang out with each other and not have to like hide when we're trying to smoke weed or something <laughs> living at our parents house. the first set of shows when you sign with a label are they sending you out to play small clubs and you're driving yourself around? Or did they pair you up with the band who at that time may have been a bit bigger than you? Um, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. This awesome band, Deerhoof, who was on Polyvinyl, um, we got to open for them on tour. And that was incredible because they were just like the most talented performers. And um, they were super, super nice and took us under their wing. And, and that was something that happened through Polyvinyl. So yeah, it was sort of a mix of both. And then, you know, they'd let us go out and do our own shows, of course. And it, it was just a fun, like, because like I was saying, like, we were excited to do anything, you know. We were just like, book us a show. I don't care where it is. <laughs> we'll do it. But it was so much fun. So the world's best American band a couple years after your debut. Are you ever in your own head when it at that time where it's like, wow. This is a real thing. People are starting to know who we are. Um, I think I want to tweak with these songs a little more. What was your mindset leading up to that 2017 second album? So that was a crazy experience because we truly didn't have like any demos. We just booked studio time and just went in there and just wrote it in the studio. <laughs> we had like three iPhone voice memos. <laughs> It was really fun to, to do it that way, but towards the end of it, it got super stressful, you know, like, because I mean, I would never do an album that way <laughs> again, um, but it was so much fun. And Kevin Ratterman, who uh, recorded it, was the best partner we could have asked for in helping us arrange the songs. And, you know, we, we really valued his opinion and his advice. And I mean, it was a great experience, albeit super stressful at times <laughs> we actually had to leave because we couldn't finish in time and we went to south by southwest and that's where we met hunter that year and we showed him kind of some of the new songs we've been working on and we were like you know if, if you want to be in the band maybe take a flight to louisville try it out and see how you feel and uh we scooped him up into our world and <laughs> wow i didn't ruin realize... <laughs> <laughs> so is you nick sam and ryan and then Hunter joins at that point. Wow. Yeah, we just, we, through a friend of a friend, uh, found a place to stay during the week at South by in Austin. And it happened to be Hunter's house. And uh, heard him playing guitar one morning. We were like, whoa, dude, 
dude, you can really shred. You want to hop in the van? <laughs> he's like, I don't want to get in the van, but I will come to Louisville and, and try it. <laughs> and he's been with you guys ever since. Right, yeah. Over the years, and of course, we're going to talk a lot about the new record in a second. I mean, I have a habit of doing this, and my bubble is 50,000 times smaller than yours. And I wish I didn't do this, but I sometimes like look at the scoreboard, meaning... What's that other radio DJ doing who has a podcast? Why Why are they? How come they just got to be on TV for 10 minutes? Jeez, I stink. Do you ever do that over the years? You're like, we're better. I'm not saying you're we're better than that band. Like what? Has that happened to you? Not, not really. I mean, we opened for Pearl Jam in Europe. <laughs> you know, like how am I going to be jealous? <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess you're right. Like, we've done so many great things and you know, hopefully we will continue to get to do that. But no, I don't, I don't feel very jealous. <laughs> that is a great, such a great quality to have just to worry about your own S and not what other people are doing in their world. And you're right. You guys continue to accomplish things. Opening for Pearl Jam. Here we go. Was there a hangout session with the guys or is it like you're all the way on one side of the venue there on the right? You go on at this time, clean up, get the hell out. What happened? They were very, very nice. There, there were definitely some hang sessions with Eddie, especially. Um, and he was just very generous and, and fun and, you know, had, had some cool stories for us. And it, it was great. It, it was seriously great. If I were them, I would have been like, don't come anywhere. Near. <laughs> but, but they were awesome. They were so nice. The hangs with Eddie Vedder, was it before the tour started or 10 minutes after you got off stage or just, Hey, we're in a new event. We're in a different city now. How did that happen? How did that go down? Um, it was usually just like after the shows and somebody would come in and be like, Hey, uh, Eddie wants to see you guys. And they would escort us to his room and we would just close the place down in there until his people were like, Eddie, we got to go. Come on. They would, you know, be dragging all his furniture out of the room. We're still in there. And finally he'd be like, all right, guys, I gotta go. I'll, I'll see you next time. Tony, I would be so nervous. Like, what the F am I going to say to Eddie Vedder for more than three minutes? Did you have, like, bullet points in your head of things you wanted to hit? How, how, like, what? Were you nervous at all? I mean, I know you're a superstar. You're on stage. You play in front of a lot of people. But this is a little bit different. Uh, I mean, I was really just grateful. I just wanted to let him know that we were that we were all grateful. So that was the first one. And then, you know, he, he's super easy to talk to, though you know, and the ice was, was pretty easy to break. And, you know, I was definitely a little nervous the first time, but, but he was also super playful. Like, I remember we were playing in Berlin and we had kind of a, a green room on the second floor of this kind of like glass building. And we were hearing like a knock on the windows and he was throwing like acorns <laughs> at our window. It's like, you know, he was super cool. A lot of fun. Uh, in 2019, you deserve love came out, might be right. Real long time. Uh, Might Be Right was my favorite song of the year. I put it number one on my countdown in the wrap-up show. I mean, that's when I really went on the deep dive of your band and been like a huge, huge fan ever since. When you started getting a little radio play or a lot of radio play, did that affect you at all? Was it expected? It was definitely unexpected. It was very unexpected. I didn't think that we would be a radio play. I had no idea. I, I never thought that. But it was it was really cool to see how many people it reached. Totally unexpected. <laughs> I would have never thought in a million years mm. that we would. I mean, we had the number one song at all. I, I think. Yes. Or, yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I yeah, totally unexpected. 
<laughs> I had no idea. And it goes to show, like, you never know when a song is going to hit in a different sort of way because you already had a really good fan base. But then someone like me who knew of your band then went on the backwards, like, wait, hold on. Let me go back to the beginning for these guys. And I was like, oh, my God, these White Reapers, these, I love these guys. Oh, my God, I'm totally in on them. On the old songs, on the new songs, when the new record comes out, I'm going to be in on that. And I think a lot of people are similar to me that sort of way. I mean, I hope so. That that would be great if they, you know, found us through Might Be Right and loved it so much that they gave us the time to check out our old stuff. Like, that's the best case scenario, for sure. Um, but, yeah, like, you really do never know when a song is going to hit. Like, I didn't even think that it was going to be a single. Like, And it was one of the last demos I kind of submitted and I kind of felt like I threw it together but I remember Hunter being like no this one's going to be big I was like really and then um our A&R guy at the time he was like this is this one's the one and I was like really <laughs> and just kind of watching it grow I was like okay <laughs> I guess I don't know right <laughs> at the end of the day no one really knows anything anyway yeah exactly that's what I always say I've, I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again but you know it's just fun to do this stuff. As we sit here today, it's about two weeks from now where your next full-length record is coming out, Asking for a Ride. Was this one a strenuous album to make, or was it smooth sailing? Um, it was strenuous because of COVID in the way that, like, it was hard for me to feel creative or inspired. And I realized that a, a large and important ingredient for me is being in transit and, and touring and seeing things and, and meeting people and, and other bands that you tour with that show you music or, or you know, just anything, just hanging out with new people and, and even just hanging out with each other, um, I think is super important to me to be able to create. And obviously we were all starved of that during quarantine. So when it came time to sort of begin writing, I was like, uh, I don't really, I don't really have anything. So it kind of took a while to get the ball rolling. And then we booked some writing trips with the band. The first one was in Arkansas because it was like the perfect halfway point between Louisville and Texas where Hunter was living. And we booked like 10 days in this super weird Airbnb. We got there and it was the first time we'd seen each other since uh, the last show we played at the Troubadour in March. And so it was super hard to be productive because we were all just like excited to be hanging out again, you know? So there was a good like three days of that trip got eaten up by just joking around and hanging out. But eventually we finally got the ball rolling a little bit. Um, but I think it was hard on every everybody for that reason of just like kind of finding it a little difficult to find inspiration. We finally did. We got a bunch of songs. I mean, we had like 30 ideas that we were working on at a point. And um, it was kind of like a process of, which which of these feel the best when we play them together? Um, which of these don't work at all, like obviously? And so we sort of whittled it down and we had to take a, a couple swings at uh, studios because um, we had, you know, it felt like the album was cursed for a while because it was one thing after another would go wrong. Um, but we finally got it done and we're super stoked. And yeah, I didn't even, I mean, it's 11 days away now, yes. which is crazy to me. Because I just remember thinking, like, when we finished it and settled on a release date, it felt so far away and time has moved so fast. But yeah, it's, we're so excited. The band produced the album, or you worked with Jay Joyce, or how did, who'd you, were you with anybody? We were with a producer for one session. It was 
I don't think it was the right place for any of us. I, I just don't think um, we were the right band for the producer, and I don't think the producer was the right producer oh. for our band. Mm. So we we did, but we say we salvaged some of those songs from that session, and then we were a little deflated after that one. Um, but we were like, you know what? Let's let's write even some more new songs and get excited again and go in with our buddy uh, Jeremy Ferguson out of Nashville. And so we did that. And, um, so like six of the songs we did ourselves with Jeremy engineering and then four of them we did, um, with when you sit here and then it's, it's reality, January 27th, the album has come out. Did you get a nervous stomach ache or an excited one? Excited one. Oh, cool. Nice. You know, like we, like for me, the biggest thing, and I think I speak for all the guys is we're just super excited to do a tour, a proper tour for the first time since uh, early 2020. And I think that's really like, it's great that the album's coming out because that means we have new songs to play at our shows, which to me is the most fun part of all of this. So that's what I'm excited for is hitting the road only a, a few short weeks after the album comes out. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm ready to go. If I said you have to play the new song Pink Slip right now, no rehearsal, would you get an A or you think maybe more like a C minus? It'd probably be a C minus. <laughs> but we got the guy flying to town today. We're gonna we're gonna rehearse. We're gonna hammer it out. We're gonna get that A for you. So I know <laughs> of new songs: Pink Slip, um, Fog Machine, and then a song that is sitting like just about in the top ten right now on my show is Pages. Such a great song, Tony. Thank you very much. Can you just give me the scoop? I don't need to know what it's about, but like, how did this one come together? Was this in Arkansas? What the heck happened? Pages is super weird because I had been sitting on it for years, honestly. And I just, one day, just like, like all the lyrics just came to me, like in all the melodies. And I just typed in the lyrics on my laptop and just, and I was like, I don't know if the guys are going to like this because it had that acoustic guitar intro and, and we had never used an acoustic guitar on any of our recordings ever before. And so I was kind of like, afraid to present it you know i was like i don't know if they're gonna like this and and going back to like when i was saying it was kind of hard to feel inspired and, and kind of come up with new stuff i was like oh yeah oh yeah i got this thing and uh <laughs> that was a funny day because when i recorded the demo for it um i like had all the instruments laid out and then tracked all the vocals and then i closed logic and i was like oh no i deleted it <laughs> i had to go back and redo it all again but um and I played it for Ryan. He was like, this is sick. And the guys were into it. And I was like, all right, that works. And it does. It is a great song. Is there a way, does the album, the full the full album, Asking for a Ride, is there a theme? Or is it just a bunch of great songs from White Reaper? I think the theme is that it's a bunch of great songs from White Reaper. Great answer. The songs that you worked on that don't make it on an album, do they get deleted for life or are they sitting somewhere in a room and maybe you go back to them? How does that work? They're sitting in a room. They're sit and we've had, like even on You Deserve Love, there were some songs that, that didn't make it. And I guess it just, it really just comes down to, does it feel like it should have been on the last album? Because then it kind of feels weird if we're doing this other thing. Um, but with that being said, there are quite a few ideas that I don't want to abandon. You know, I feel like there's some cool stuff that we just needed more time on. Right. So I would like to revisit that as, as just like a fire starter for the next album, you know, just kind of take inventory, see what we didn't use, but it's hard to say. It's hard to say whether they'll see um, the light of day or not, but I think it's worth taking a look at for sure. 
And you never know where you're going to be mentally in 12 months, 18 months from now. And you may look back at those old ones and be like, we're still going to keep those. But I got 17 different ideas that are either more advanced or how I'm feeling about life this particular moment. Just never know. Tony, you guys deserve all the success that you have received and that you're going to continue to get. I am so fired up for you and your tour. And uh, I appreciate you giving me so much time with this hangout session right now. Of course, man. It's always great talking to you. Thank you. Thank it you is, so Of course. Please say hi to the guys. Uh, that is Tony from White Reaper. And I am Stryker. We will see you guys later. Go Louisville. And go University of Arizona Wildcats as well. Okay, now we're saying goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, Stryker. That was a lot of fun. That's another episode of Strikers Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe.